It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Tennessee Titans are coming off their first season with a losing record in five years under head coach Mike Vrabel. How do they respond in 2023? It's Titans Day, and we're breaking them down from every angle today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. Joe, happy national Kyle bought a new box of pens. Oh, Day to you. This is big. You know me and my pens. I know popular. you. There's uh, there's probably some new everydayers who are not familiar with your pen <laughs> situation. If you'd like to explain it to them, because I I knew what it was and I that's why I set it up. Um. So this has probably been I would guess eight to ten years now where I've lived in this world where I only use the same pen until it completely runs out of ink. Right. Like I, I start to finish. This is the current active pen right here. Mm. Um. And I have more pens right here so two things with the pen dynamics in me is i i believe in only using one pen until it's completely used but then also i've i've found my pen right i think that's a big thing for people to like hey this is my 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 brand my my making model it's the feel of the pen it's how it feels when you touch it to paper it's what kind of ink it leaves behind So tell tell us about your yeah, pen. My, my well, we say no, no free no, hashtag no free pub on the the show, but yeah. Uh, well, I guess sponsor me if you'd like Pentel uh, for your Energel oh, RTX your Pentel, liquid, Pentel guy, huh? liquid gel pen, uh, and I love the colors. Like I I like blue ink, black ink. Can we can can we write in green? Can we write in red and orange and purple? Like yeah, I like to write in in different colors. So yeah, Pilot Two G, excuse right. me, Pilot G Two. It's a good pen. pen. It's a good pen. But it's black. Are you you're a black ink guy yes. or what? Yes, I am. And I also I got myself a little bit of white out because I'm oh, working, wow. working on a project right now. So Wow, I don't even know yeah. what this project is, but we got yeah, white out, you know it's top a secret. Top wow. secret. Yeah. Well wow. no soon enough. But uh, yeah, happy national I bought New Pens Day yesterday. Thank you. Uh, what a, what a day. What a day this is. Um so we're gonna talk about the Titans today. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the Titans are a team, Joe, as you mentioned, who endured their least successful season since 2000 oh god i'm gonna do the math off the top of my head here 18 is that yeah, year is 18 yes okay so the, the, their least successful season since 2018 
in which Tennessee reached the midway point of the season. They, they won that game against Green Bay in Green Bay, mm-hmm. and they moved to eight and three. Was it seven and three? They were, they were humming. They were humming. And, uh, of course, Tom Downing has an incident on the way home from that game, and it felt like that point onward for Tennessee, everything, Tom Downing, the, the former OC, everything falls off for Tennessee down the stretch. And they play the win and in game against Jacksonville week 18. They do not win that football game. So they miss the playoffs for the first time uh, in the past several seasons. They've kind of been the stalwart of the AFC South. Uh, I, I would us uh, to acknowledge that Tennessee from a team building perspective had a definitive six year window of highly competitive football in which they won the division a bunch of times, went to the playoffs a bunch of times. I think that context is very important for Tennessee because we're going to talk about them being a transitional team and a team in transition, and that upheaval is is going to mean you're going to have to relearn how to crawl before you can walk again. But they had a very successful stretch. They didn't get hot at the right time of the year to to win in the postseason and and make a finished run. They did play in an AFC championship game, and and I think that this is kind of the – Again, an, an example of life cycles in the NFL is what the Titans had, how they were able to compete, and how, now how they have to scale back and retransition and gear back up again. Seven and three to seven and ten. That's seven, how. That's yeah, how it finished. Three, yeah, that, that was, that's a tough. That's a tough finish. Um, like you mentioned, two different playoff runs. One where they were the number one seed in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, and a completely different one where they went to the AFC championship game. Um, I have a lot of criticism towards John Robinson. If you've been listening to this podcast for any any length of time, I, I tend to get that out as often as I possibly can because I think I hold him responsible for not making the necessary moves to get this team over the hump, right? We knew that they were kind of in it. I think you want to be as good as you can for as long as you can, but like there's humps that you have to get over, and I don't think he was ever able to do it, and I think that comes from needs-based drafting, I think that that oh big timeout. You're right. taking a timeout. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So when you reflect on that ideology, do you think that is more reflective of them not being aggressive enough of them trying to extend the window as long as they can without maximizing the window? Like there, there's a number of different schools of thought that I yeah. think could have been kind of at the crux of this but ultimately as you said it it we never crescendoed at the right time right and first of all they leaned into a a winning recipe that is a winning recipe but it's a little bit tougher right not necessarily having elite quarterback play being your identity being running the football with Derrick Henry and and playing good defense right and I that certainly got a lot of wins but not Mm -hmm. necessarily the right wins but I thought John Robinson whether it was needs-based drafting whether it was um, not retaining players, right? Just very impulsive, like missing, getting rid of guys, never really like having plans for a lot of players, it would seem. Um, But then also you look at two critical spots, wide receiver and edge rusher. And like how many missed throws at the dartboard did we have that limited this football team when that was what they needed? And so, yeah, I thought like there was a lot of like, oh my gosh, they're moving on from John Robinson. I'm like, celebrate Titans fans because this I think has been the biggest thing that's held you back as an organization um and so 
we haven't even gotten into the offense or defense because I think that that does set the tone for this conversation because it is a unique situation. The way that they've won their path forward, the fact that Rand Carthens now taking over for John mm-hmm. Robinson, the success that Mike Vrabel's had. I mean, Mike Vrabel's one of nine coaches in the entire NFL that have been with their team for five or more seasons, right? That, that's it. Like he's been one of the most successful coaches over the last five years. There's only nine that can say that they've been on the same team for five full seasons to this point. Well, um, and last year was their first non-winning season, you know, even extending further back than Mike right. Vrabel since 2015. Case in point, they've won at least nine, 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 eleven, twelve, right, seven and three. Seven. Yeah, like what an awesome stretch of consistency to play winning football, but it never graduated to the point other than when you were nine and seven and made a quarterback change mid-season. Yeah. And you had this brand new dynamic with Ryan Tannehill versus Marcus Mariota that presented new challenges for teams to have to defend you. And you took advantage of that and then ran that off to 30, 23 wins over the next two seasons, 23 and 10. Well, this podcast has taken on a life of its own. I think the way this is going to wind up working is next segment will be offense. The last segment will be on defense. But before we get there, we're going to tell you about FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing, and there's simply no better place to get in on the action than over at FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just head over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. And folks, I love betting over at FanDuel. It's a safe, secure, easy-to-use app with great promotions every day and it's not just the baseball that you can get in on the football's futures bets are so fun so they have win totals right over under for win totals for each team player props uh projected rushing stats receiving stats passing stats for all the players there's week one line odds there's awards that you can get in on if you like those odds so much fun stuff over at america's number one sports book so don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. This LockedOn podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Okay, Joe, let's talk about the offense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's let's do segment three off the top there, which, you know, as you said, the show takes on a life as its own and usually does Uh, offensively. We started this offseason with some conversation about Derrick Henry potentially being on the trade block. I'm glad they didn't go that route. But I do think what is overly apparent based on the maneuvers, um, where they spent their money, Tennessee, 
I expect this to continue. The, the DNA of what they've been offensively is going to continue to be the ideology of who the Titans are. There's not a lot of dynamic threats on the perimeter to win on the outside. We're going to try to play bully ball. We spent a lot of money in free agency to bring in some new pieces between uh, Andre Dillard and Daniel Brunskill, and they drafted Peter Skronsky with a top 12 pick. Like That's all good infusion for an offensive line that desperately needed it. We still have Ty, uh, Derrick Henry. We drafted Tajay Spears on day two. So we've put ourselves in a position to what we've been is what we are going to continue to be. And I think that well, kind of reaffirms the identity of this football team. But the, the question, of course, is if they have enough counter punches off of the core identity of what they are offensively. Man, look at this offensive line. Stalwarts, Ben Jones, Taylor Luan, uh, Nate Davis, gone. One offseason, right? Swapping them all out for Brunsko, Skoronsky, and, and Dillard. Aaron Brewer, kind of your returning player, shifting over to center this year. I mean, he's such a fascinating guy. He's like... 275 pounds, 480 pounds. Yes. Yeah. Good for him that he's found a way to stick like he has. And then Nicholas petit Ferrer is a returning starter at right tackle who was a surprise starter for them last year. Um, and so, you know, I think step one here for this offense is going to be getting this offensive line sorted out and getting them functioning as, as one because you've got four guys or three guys that are completely new. Brewer in a in a new spot, right? I mean, so there's just a lot to to unpack, and then you're probably asking yourself questions about some of your depth in uh, Jalen Duncan and Dylan Raydunes, and like, are they in actual battles to win a job? Is there a path for them, right? So I think they got to sort out this offensive line, and then from there, obviously, we know what Derrick Henry can do. You got to figure out your passing game, and your most appealing weapons are your your two second year players and Traylon Burks. And Chigo Aquanku, the tight end, man, we, we're, we're excited about Chigo. I mean, I know that you were pretty high on Brand. him early. Brand, baby. And we, we saw him at Shrine, right? And we're like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah. different, he's, different he's kind of cat. He's a little bit of a player. He stands out versus some of these other guys out here. Pretty raw guy to come into an offense that didn't have a whole lot going for him to have the production he did as a rookie, right? right? That's pretty uncommon for tight ends. So, so like, he had 32 for 450 and three touchdowns last year, 14 yards per catch. It's pretty good production for a rookie tight end in this offense, right? So, but it's fair to look at these weapons collectively and say, well, I mean, you really need those guys to emerge. Even a Kyle Phillips in the slot, like you need that guy to find himself this year because outside of Derrick Henry, I don't see proven weapons here. I don't see a lot of depth in these options in the passing game for Ryan Tannehill, who's like, let's face it, this is probably his last season. Uh, with the team as they've made recent investments. And in, well, I mean, you can look to Malik Willis, but quarterbacks in the last two years, Will Levis was picked 33, do. right? I yeah. mean, it's, they traded uh, up for him. Yeah. They came up and got him. Um, I have a quiz question for you. Oh boy. Okay. And, and we're acknowledging that kind of the, the skill group is kind of the, the mystery of this offense. And if they have enough pieces and if they have enough dynamic athleticism to really, uh, kind of have enough counter punches off their run game. And, and they're obviously going to play action pass a ton and, and you know, keep the pressure off the offensive line to just straight up pass protect. But the receiver, the offensive player, I should say on Tennessee's offense, who is returning from last year, who caught the most amount of footballs for the team in 2022, who is it? And how many <laughs> catches did they have? Was it Nick Westbrook, Akini, and he caught 32 passes or something so like that? Your number's very close. There were two that caught 33. All right. Nick caught 25. Okay, so it wasn't him? 
Derrick Henry and Traylon Burks each caught 33 passes last year. They are the returning leading receivers from last year's team. Robert Woods and Austin Hooper were the yeah. departures. Uh, they were top two on the team in targets and top two in the team in, in receptions. Now, obviously, the uh, dynamic play of both of those players and Robert Woods at this stage of his career, I, I don't know that those are great losses, but I think it, it you look at it from the sense of there's 150 targets that have been opened up in this offense from what there was last year. And we really didn't bring anybody in. How well, do you redistribute those 150 targets? How do you maximize those opportunities within your passing game? I, I think is a fascinating question. You, you're hoping Traylon Burks gets as many of them as he possibly can. Cause he only had 54 last year. Yeah. You, you'd like to think he doubles that, right? I mean, that sh- should be a reasonable goal for, for Traylon, but also, I mean, this is a DeAndre Hopkins team. It should be, right? I mean, when you consider yes, I think please. did he take he took a visit there, right? I he know did. there's familiarity took, with Rabel. His, his visit came before he went to New England. Right. That's the two visits he's taken, right? I yes. know that he's had conversations with other teams, but showing up for those two opportunities I think says a lot. But I mean, if I'm Tennessee, like get it done. You're not it's <laughs> maybe there's a little PTSD from the Julio trade. I don't know, but like you're not giving up anything. You're gonna sign him to a deal, but like you've got targets to your point, 150 available. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, even if 50 something of those goes to Burks, which should be a, where you want a He's lot of still those got 100 targets. Yeah. Yeah, man. Send them to hop. Um, and, and 80% of Deandre Hopkins is still at this stage in everybody's group. I don't want to necessarily blow this out of proportion, but 80% of what Deandre Hopkins has been is still probably the best receiver on this team. Right. Dude, for sure. For sure. Right. Obviously, there's ceiling with some of these guys that you get excited about. But right. yeah, we wa- we watched the tape on Hop. That was we went back when all this stuff we did started. The show. Yeah. We did the show. We and we watched the film. It's like, okay, man, this guy still runs nuance routes, body control, hands, ball skills are elite. Um, yeah, he's never been a burner. Like, okay, that's not gonna all of a sudden change, but guy can get open and catch the football and com- you know, command good volume of targets and, and be somebody you're happy with. You know, and uh if my memory serves me correctly. There is a player who was somewhat of a non-dynamic, shifty, high football IQ slot player that Ryan Tannehill oh. vibed with quite a bit back in the day. Oh. Mr. Jarvis Landry. Oh. And Nuke at this stage still has more in the tank than like Jarvis had at his peak when Jarvis ran four seven and coming out. <laughs> Man, that's a good point. <laughs> so incredible. Please, Tennessee. Make that happen. I, I would I would really enjoy that addition to this offense for Mike Rabel and the Titans. They could sign Jarvis Landry. <laughs> <laughs> they could, yeah. So like if you don't get hop, I mean, I, I just think the point needs – I think it's understood that they need more here in terms of, of collective yes. weapons here. Um, how fun is Tajay Spears now on this football team? <clears throat> Man, what a player he is. Excited to see him as the, the counterpunch to what they have in Henry, you know? So um, not surprised that they went that route either, obviously with kind of the, the discussion around Derrick Henry and, and him being floated out as a trade candidate. And depending on how this season goes for Tennessee, if, if they're not competitive, maybe that's a trade deadline thing that, that you could see revisited if, if they have to be honest. But I think the way that they, you, you mentioned just on the offensive line with Lawan and Ben Jones, like the, these long-term, pillars of what they were moving on from those players 
it, it certainly feels like Derrick Henry's stretch of 350 touches and just being a workhorse. I, I don't doubt he can continue to get it done. But if you look at the life cycle of Tennessee and as they gear up, what are those finances best attributed for, especially with, you know, having some exciting young pieces in the offensive backfield between Hassan Haskins, who I, I think has a little something to him as a power player. And then Tajay Spears is a very different dynamic. And it feels like they've been chasing that kind of player for a couple of years now too. Yeah. With Darrington Evans, right. They drafted yeah. him third, fourth round, something like yeah, that. Middle round guy. I think one of the challenges for Derrick Henry this year, it, well, uh, two challenges that are pretty significant. First of all, I would say the adjusting to the offensive line, right? New pieces, right? And I remember, I'll never forget Jonathan Taylor uh, at the combine. Uh, he was asked about, you know, what, how do you have such great vision? And he's like, well, he's like, I know my offensive line. I know the way that they're going to take on blocks. I know that they're, the angles that they're going to have, and, and I can work off of them because I can anticipate stylistically how they're going to approach. And obviously you think about Wisconsin, a lot of continuity with the offensive line that Jonathan Taylor was able to really feast there for Derrick Henry. I mean, he's going to have to really adjust to a lot of new pieces this year, which he, you know, to his credit, he did, he did last year and had to do it on, on the fly and still mm -hmm. had a lot of production. But when you combine that with probably a lot of heavy boxes, right? I think, I think defenses are going to play Tennessee and say, well, Okay, we, we see right. Derrick Henry's back there. Let's go ahead and take that guy away the best we can and, and see what you can do in terms of throwing the football with Ryan Tannehill and your other weapons. So heavy box counts and adjusting to a lot of new blockers is going to be the challenge ahead for King Henry this year. And just a, a final thought as we get ready to transition over to the defensive side of the ball, Joe, but that continued chasing of uh, that different dynamic to pair with Derrick Henry. Do you remember the running back that they signed for like $5 million per season? Yeah, it was uh, Lewis. Deion was Lewis. Damian, Damian Lewis or Deion De Lewis. Deion, Deion Lewis from yeah. New England. He signed a four-year, uh, just short of $20 million, like 19.75 across four years back in 2018. And over the last 10 years, that is the 16th highest wow. APY for a running back Whoa. to sign with a new team in free agency. Whoa. Man, you're right. They really kind of have been trying to find a guy to go with them. Mm -hmm. This type of player. And I think Spears is Bro. as good of an option as you're going to have to to get it. Excited to see what that looks like, but just need to have enough counter again counter punches off. Yeah. That's the big mystery for for where Tennessee lies offensively. Uh we are going to do the defensive side of the ball and then come to consensus on uh, one outstanding player uh, for Tennessee here as we bring this episode of Locked On NFL Scouting to a close. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay. Defensively. Here's the good news. I think there's a lot to work with mm -hmm. on the defensive side of the football for the Titans. Uh, you think about... Jeffrey Simmons and him being as impressive and as disruptive of a player as he has been for 
the past several seasons. Obviously, that that's that's a financial commitment that they uh, it's a no brainer, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to get to get him locked in and, and have him be a pillar piece. But you have Harold Landry, you have Danico Autry, you have Kevin Byard. I don't know the subplot with Byard and whatever the heck happened with asking for a pay cut this offseason or whatever is a different story. Um, you have a couple cornerstones, a couple quality starters. I think Amani Hooker's turned into a really good football player for them. We've got some bodies here. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's a little bit of an incomplete build, but at the end of the day, I, I like the pillars that we have to work with in, in Tennessee. Yeah, man, you mentioned Jeffrey Simmons, and I give them a lot of credit for the timing of that deal, uh, getting ahead of uh, Quinn and Williams, getting ahead of, well, all of those defensive tackles, right? He was first before Lawrence, before Oliver. We're still waiting on Wilkins. But Chris Jones, right? I mean, that's going to be a huge deal that's coming through. And I think them coming in and getting that done was was great um, for maximizing their their costs. But welcome back, Harold Landry, right? I mean, that's going to be such a nice addition to this unit. Um, for all the pass rushing, edge rushing challenges that they've had over the years, I think Harold Landry has been a stabilizing player for them. And um, obviously he missed all of last year. That'll be big for him to be back. And, you know, given the timing of when that injury occurred, you feel like he should be able to hit the ground running entering this season. And I love Danico Autry, man. Um, they've really, they've really unlocked him. I think he's been a good player, but the way that he's been able to make an impact, being versatile, mm-hmm. defending the run, rushing the passer from multiple alignments, man. He's probably one of the more underrated players in the game. And then Tier Tardu, I think, is a, a very serviceable uh, interior defensive lineman as well. And so I, I'd like the the that four man situation here in terms of your, you know, your kind of your front. Um I'm fascinated by the linebackers because Monty Rice, I think, played well down the stretch last year. Uh, who they picked fairly high. I mean, I think he, he looks like he could be at least a serviceable starter, but Aziz Al-Shair is, is kind of the X factor for me here with this group because obviously this was was Cunningham and, and David Long who moved on, um, but Al-Shair is a guy that's kind of been stuck in San Francisco, if you will, with Dre Greenlaw and, and of course, Fred Warner. And I think he's going to kind of have the opportunity to be a guy here for them and really patrol this unit and, and have some opportunity uh, behind a pretty good front. And so this front seven, if you will, uh, really intrigues me um, in a lot of ways. And, and I think some of the younger players taking a step, especially at linebacker, will be really critical. Can I, can I give some flowers to Rand Carthon here? Sure. Because you mentioned Al Shair and being stuck. I think what Sanford or what, what Tennessee did in signing Al Jair and then also Andre Dillard, who was stuck yeah, yeah. in Philadelphia behind Jordan Maitala and Lane Johnson. Yep. Um, I think you're getting players that have a chance to be adequate level starters or potentially better for your football team based on their physical skill sets who didn't necessarily have great opportunities to showcase themselves. And maybe when those dollars came in specifically on the Diller deal, everybody's eyes got a little wide and said like, Oh wow. Like they paid him a pretty good amount of money. They very clearly think that's a starting caliber player. But when you look at it through the lens of what Bobby O'Karrake got at $10 million per season to sign, obviously a different player, different bill, but, and what Mike McGlinchey got to sign in free agency. I mean, they, they got way more, per season 
for players who have some ceiling. And I think with an opportunity, have an opportunity to, if they both live up to their potential, we're going to get to this time next year. We're going to say, yeah, these are really team-friendly deals for Tennessee for the market value which they paid to get the players in the building. Kind of continuing on the strengths of this defense, I mean, you mentioned Bayard and Hooker. That's one of the better safety tandems in the entire NFL, right? I mean, really, really good. But also some players at corner that I like in Roger McCreary. I mean, how good was he as a rookie? They bring in Sean Murphy Bunting. Elijah Molding comes back off of injury from last year. Had a lot of promise as a rookie. Christian Fulton, who I think has established himself as a starter. You know, I think that's collectively in the secondary a a reasonable amount of talent to work with. So like you mentioned here, as we shifted over to the defensive side of the football, I think there's just a lot more to like and uh, allows them to be formidable. And I think that helps take some of the pressure off of uh, the offensive side where we think there could be more struggles. My most eye-opening statistic for Tennessee defensively last year is they allowed five more points this year than they did the previous season, 359 to 354. And yet in 2022, they were 14th in scoring defenses compared to sixth in 2021 based off a five-point difference. Now, they were also minus 61 in point differential versus plus 65 because they couldn't crack 300 points scored across 17 games last year. But... 14th in scoring defense, but only five points more than a top six scoring defense the previous season. And I and without I, Harold Landry. Right, without Harold Landry. So, it, yeah, less turnover on the defensive side of the football as well. So yeah. I think that's what you want to lean into. You want to run the football, play good defense. I think that's kind of your recipe. But obviously, I'd like to see this team evolve with the passing game. And who knows? Maybe Will Levis will be their guy. I mean, I, I like Will Levis. There's a, a modest investment, right? I mean, was pick 33, something like that. Like it's, I think there's a lot, a, a big difference between being pick 33 and being like, they could have picked them at where they picked Skaronsky, like 11 or 12, 12. something like that. Yeah. You know, I think that changes the expectation and allows him to kind of have an onboarding year and, and kind of we'll see. Uh, but I hope that they get some answers with their weapons and their offensive line this year and they can add to it and, you know, expedite the transition right i mean it's it's the afc south jacksonville looks pretty good but i mean even tennessee had to lose their last seven games right for that to happen right Right. like maybe it's not it's a transition but this isn't like some of the other conversations we've had for no teams in transition And, and you know i think the challenge for them is is finding those pieces amidst the final stages of who your pillars were before and you know, namely in the backfield and Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, you know, those have been established effective starters, you know, with Henry, one of the best backs in the game and Tannehill, when they had complimentary football, yeah, you know, he was capable of being a highly effective complimentary quarterback. Um, but how do you build that runway? How, how do you take on that runway? Now I appreciate the effort that they made the last two years to, put themselves in position and acquire quarterbacks to, to swing the bat. Obviously the Malik Willis acquisition doesn't look great right now. Um, I don't think there was any world in which he probably should have started games last year. Uh, but you know, the, the circumstances for the way the season played out for Tennessee kind of, you force him to go out there and take a look at what he's got. And obviously they didn't like enough of what they saw and, and they shouldn't have, he didn't play particularly well. So, um, that's the Titans. Any parting thoughts? Joe? Yeah, I, I do have a parting thought. That stadium looks sick. Yes, it does. 
2026? Yes, no, 2027 is when yeah. it opens, man. Not soon enough is when it opens. Brother, I I dude, like that was we've seen a lot of new stadiums come through in the NFL. This is one that I'm like, oh my God, I gotta see it. I gotta get out there. That's so, close for you. Close enough. 2020, 2027. Right. We, we we're gonna be there at some and point. Listen. The Wilmington Airport now flies Avello Airlines directly to Nashville. I can go for like forty bucks. Wow! Draft yeah. dudes, the draft dudes take uh, Nashville. Nashville. Yeah, see, we'll see in twenty twenty seven. It's like the twenty nineteen draft, right? Like, do it all yeah, over again. We will. We all will. Right. Well, that does it for today's episode of Locked On NFL Scouting. I'm Kyle Krabs. He's Joe Marino. Joe. Tomorrow on the show we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay, yes. Tampa Bay, Baker Mayfield's Tampa Bay Buccaneers are next. And then we have the Arizona Cardinals and the New Orleans Saints to bring all 32 teams to a close. Joe, this is our last week for the scouting of the 2023 Team X series. It's been, it's been fun. Been, fun. been a lot of fun. It's cool seeing what fan bases show up for their teams. If you are a team that is coming up, make sure you show up for your team, but keep it locked in on a daily basis because it is your team every day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Kyle Krabs. He's Joe Marino, and we are out of here. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.